0: Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host Steve Malkin. Today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as thrown together from half an ovum and a few staples, professional sentence putter togetherer, amateur cook and doggerel breeder. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Shelley Stocken.
1: Hi, and thank you for your very broad definition of interesting.
0: Oh, rubbish. <laughs> very interesting. And I know that there will be people tuning in right now that agree with me.
1: Oh, well, thank you, those people, mum and dad.
0: <sighs> Look, if nothing else, your sister will tune in to say, what did she say about me this time?
1: <laughs> My famous... The
0: right amount of Vanity.
1: She's the Ritchie Cunningham to my Joanie.
0: <laughs> At least you didn't go with the Chachi thing. That's probably best.
1: Oh.
0: Shelley, can you tell me, please, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself?
1: Uh, usually, hi, I'm Shelley. And sometimes I have to say, right. no, not Michelle. And you probably know my sister. <laughs> Could really? Really? And often people think I'm her because we look a bit alike.
0: More than a little bit, please.
1: (laughs) I mean that in the best way. Well, that's, you know, that's monozygotism for you.
0: Oh, it's it's a disease. Should we stamp it out? (laughs) I'm sure Pauline Hanson will have some words to say about it. Rare enough that we're special. (laughs) What? The most special. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You say so. Now, I'll get an obvious twin question out of the way, if if I may. Hmm. Did you use your powers for evil and not good?
1: Uh, You mean with the twin thing? Yeah. Well, it's – we don't – sometimes we choose to be evil and sometimes we choose to be good and sometimes we swap and sometimes we're at the Hmm. same time. So it's – we're trying to keep everyone on their toes. Yes.
0: One
1: good twin and one evil twin. Um, it's completely interchangeable and can change every five minutes. <laughs> every, well, that's scary yep. and ominous. Yep. Good. That's what I was going for. Great. So, Shelley, um, uh, what's your experience of family? Um, oh, my family's great. I think I'm really, really lucky because we all yeah. talk to each other. Um, Good. And... So my original family, the one I was born into, it's my, mm-hmm. I've got a twin sister and a brother and my mum and dad are still together and still with us and we're just, we're kind of disgustingly functional. I'm that's really some happy.
0: rarefied air right there, yeah? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I don't know if that's influenced my um, my own family because I've got two kids and a husband and we we seem to get on very well. It's. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm touching wood, but um, there's, like, my husband is a, he's a paramedic, so he often mm-hmm. sees um, families in a very, uh, uh, an extreme state of dysfunction, you know, oh, I can families who don't get on and hurt each other and, and that sort of thing, so I, I don't know if that helps us stay stronger. But we see – he sees mm. people at their best and at their worst. And it makes our life seem very, very simple and our family seem very simple by comparison because, I don't know, we're nice to each other most of the time. It's
0: you – know, from a relationship perspective, it's something that doesn't just occur either, does it? You have to work really hard oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to make that be functional.
1: Yes. And, you know, everyone has – has arguments and problems and that sort of thing, but I guess one thing we we do a lot of is we go, okay, from now on we're going to tackle this sort of thing this way. Mm. And sometimes that works and sometimes it it doesn't. But we, I think in this we got deep very quickly, didn't we? But in relationships, yeah. in my experience, you you make rules, but you have to keep adjusting those rules, and because you don't know what's coming up in the future. Mm. So you have to uh, just readjust. It's like oh, to be terribly corporate. It's a bit like managing a team. You have
0: to. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: For um, different different obstacles and things are like little different projects, and you have to choose the right way to approach them. Oh God, I've gone all HR. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Is is that your, your background experience, work experience prior to having uh, younger people oh, in your life?
1: Yes and no. What I do in my bread and butter day job is I design training programs for companies. Excellent. So usually that is attached to the HR function of companies. Sometimes they have a separate learning and development group. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm a little bit like... One thing I love about freelancing is I don't have to get involved so much in the politics and the function of the business. They tell me what they want, I do it, I talk to the right people, i give it back, i send an invoice. But, um, but one thing that I am constantly but quietly fighting against yes. is HR Weasley word language. Oh. <laughs> so, so I don't mind in my day job performing a bit of an HR function, but I really think human resources are the worst for being on the same page, you know, and singing from the same hymn. Yeah. And if we could just step back and take a helicopter view, then just, it drives me mad. <laughs> Sometimes was... The worst. <laughs> and HR are the worst. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love them, though. I love you clients. I love you.
0: Yeah. You know, I I agree with Shelley. They're great, but they're the
1: worst. (laughs) But sometimes, if I am uh, often part of my job is there'll be an existing training program and they'll send to me and say this is out of date, or we need to target a different group of learners. So can you adjust this and rewrite it? And some, (laughs) that's that's when I get my little weasel word sword out and chop things from us and, oh. and I'll try and just say, okay, how can we say this in proper English that anyone understands?
0: So, Translate no. it into so, human.
1: Yes. Yes. Because it's just, yeah, I, I like to think that there's, that everybody has a, a lifetime quota of words and language and so many people put so much effort into wasting the quota yeah. You, know, you, just, you look at some things and you just say, you could have spent those words in, in a much more, um, I don't know, beneficial way for people. Mm. Mm.
0: Mind yeah. you, I, th- I think that some people are um, uh, making up for others' deficiency. Um, like there are some overachievers among us that yep. uh, are, are expertly using more than their share of the words.
1: Yeah, and I, I sort of realised how much, how sort of hypocritical I was just then, because that was saying people raised words at the end of me just crapping on. <laughs> just <laughs> tapering off nicely. And I am definitely one in my in some of the other fun writing I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like choosing a big a big word when when a little one would do, just for fun though. Like I put. I put the word exsanguinous in a poem the other day because it scanned well and said what I needed to say. So I, I definitely can be a word wanker. Yeah. But it's all about who's reading it and what the, what the purpose of the bit of writing is. So. I'm I, always I hope afraid that, with. Yes. I was going to say I hope that, but I choose the right words for the right situation, and. Um, But I still reserve the right to be annoyed when other people
0: don't. Oh, amen. My vocab isn't great. I I work very hard uh, to try and improve that, um, particularly in my professional TV writing stuff, uh, because I don't want to just just say, hey, it's a really good show. You should watch it. Mm. It's great. Um, However, I also sometimes cringe when people in the course of normal conversation drop out their big words, uh, and somebody dropped the word mendacious on me the other day, and I was not ready for it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm probably guilty of that too. I think, but it's—I uh, mean, I've—I love my vocabulary. <laughs> um, I love messing around with it and in and enlarging it. Um, just because yep. I've. I've had this lifetime love affair with language. I just love it, love moulding it and um, trying to make it do tricks, you know. Yeah. Seeing what I can do with it. and (laughs) I mean, I love a thesaurus for a start. It's my favourite dinosaur. Um, (laughs) Because I think. Yes. But again, I think it's where it's appropriate Writing about, I mean, doing what you do, you use the vocabulary you need, mm. um, and I, I hopefully use what I need for each, each client or each audience. Um, but then in my own time, like I just, I mess around with, with rhyming, um, in my scant leisure time, and that's where I just love having a play. I like bending words and trying to find. Words that aren't used often to use those because oh, I just love it. <laughs> I like yeah. what you can do. Language for fun. I wish I wish that kind of writing could could you know put my kids through school, but it can't. Oh, amen. Mm. Well, my perspicacity
0: knows no satiety, so you know <laughs> we'd best push on.
1: You're a linguist assisted.
0: No, no, that's just my, one of my favorite quotes from The Simpsons. Yeah. That's how sad I am. Yeah.
1: It's, it's um, very cromulent of you. Oh. It, it, <laughs> I love
0: that episode too. That's so great. There are so many good Simpsons episodes. Gosh. Oh, what are you. Oh. On
1: TV. hey. Eh? Oh. <laughs>
0: Somebody somebody made me choose the other day and asked me what was my one single favorite episode, mm. and I it honestly it, it did me in. It took me a good thirty five minutes to to think out which was my most favorite episode of The Simpsons because mm. I had so
1: many. Yeah. It's which, oh. I don't think that's possible. My kids have just it, they're ten and eight, and yes. they've just covered The Simpsons. Excellent. Um, it's. Oh, sometimes I wish they hadn't. Because hmm. Every, you know, there's something for everyone in the Simpsons. There's a, yes. there are a lot of grown-up jokes.
0: But hmm, every time yes. my,
1: my boy says, "I don't get it. What does that mean? I don't get it. What does that mean? What does he mean by that? What does that mean?" <laughs> Just gone <laughs> so in the Simpsons. If you get it, then that jokes for you. If you don't get it, yeah. then that jokes for other people or for you later on. Which is just a very long way of saying "shut up."
0: Yeah, shut up and ask your father. Hmm. Like, you know. What are you passionate about, Shelley?
1: Or oh, words—that's already been covered. Mm. Um, and I'm—I kind of justice is the thing. My, my family will attest to that. That. Especially in my childhood, if I thought anyone was being wronged, I would be very, very cranky. I don't get as cranky now, but that's one of the reasons that my very old and very disused blog is called There Should Be a Sign. Because if (laughs) there was something, (laughs) you know, if if I thought a rule was being broken by someone, I'd be like, they should have a sign to tell people what the rules are. And mm. because of that, I'm, I'm getting a bit softer in my middle age. But generally, if I still hate the idea of someone getting ripped off and yep. hurt or lied to, and I know it happens, and it's you know I probably inflict that on people as a human being, but it's it's got me fairly active on the ethical cool side of things. Yes. I guess, against my will, I sort of identify as a big S sceptic. So you could describe me as an activist in that space, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, On all things? I, no, well, it's, I've, got, I've just dug myself a hole because trying to define scepticism is really hard. But basically, it's a, I'm a bit of a science fangirl which means I really like evidence for things and one of the things that I get really annoyed at is um, health measures like alternative therapies and and things like that Uh, that are flogged to people with no evidence behind them and people get ripped off. Um, Yeah. And that's – it just pisses me off. I have nothing against – health measures and practitioners who do things that work and there's evidence to show they work and that's how they market themselves. But if they're flogging, you know, essence of Newt for (sighs) cancer, then I'm going to come out smacking because it's just... If there's no evidence behind it, proper evidence though, not just three people going, this is great, it worked for me, Mm.
0: that,
1: that makes me angry, so that's where my passion
0: there is there is a lot of reliance particularly in alternative therapies in anecdotal evidence isn't there nothing that's proven just that it worked for that person or you know uh, almost almost like placebo effect stuff where I went to a person a person called themselves a healer and they waved their hands over me and my cancer was gone
1: yeah well that's It's a very strong way of marketing things because people respond to emotion and they want to relate to the people who are selling them things Mm. or, you know, convincing them of things. So personal stories work and um, anecdotes work because evidence is hard and, you know, and science is hard. And proving things is hard. So if you're in the market for something, the quickest and easiest way is to go, is this, "Yeah, oh, no, these people say it. Well, yeah, that's good. And it doesn't make people, you know, you're not, you're not stupid for, for following that. It's just whatever it is inside us that wants to buy things or believe things, mm. personal stories and emotional stories work. That's what gets us as humans. And that's powerful. And if everything could be sold using that, then that'd be great. Now, it's more more convincing to have someone say, my child is sick. You know, they got sick three days after they had their vaccines and everyone goes, oh, my God, because it's touching, you know, but it's it's also not backed by evidence.
0: anti-vaxxers and anti-vaccine people that sympathize with that a that that thought process do my head in yeah i just gets under my skin so greatly that the broad rash crazy claims that they make about what vaccines do and oh but here look we've got some evidence it's never evidence it's lucky to have been made up
1: yeah and it's I want to draw a line there too. Um, oh gosh, I'm being serious today. Because there's <laughs> we'll fix that shortly. One of the one of the tactics that people who campaign against vaccinations use is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of resistance to that sort of campaign, mm-hmm. and So for someone like me who will will speak up about um, the anti-vaccine movement. And say, oh, look, you, you, this stuff, this is not evidence, and the you know, public health science is against you. Say, so, well, how can you be so, so mean to parents who just love their children? You know, people who you oh. question vaccines and that, they're free to do that. It's like, that is true. I don't include parents and families who have questions about vaccination. Yeah, who, ask them for are sure. furious or frightened by it or who don't, you know, some people will be uncomfortable with doctors and medicine and stuff. And when I talk about anti-vaxxers, that's not who, they're not the people I'm talking about. The people I'm talking about are the people who actively campaign against vaccination with no evidence.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's plenty around. Oh.
0: And they pop up in the weirdest places, too. Like, it, it used to just be that they would post on Facebook or, or, you know, be somehow looped into some legitimate news story because a journalist thought, we want to provide balance, not realising that that's not balance. That's giving crazy people a platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, I mean, it's... I don't know if it's trolling by people that are just being pricks or whether it's... it's Anti-vaxxers thinking this is our best opportunity to get our message out, so we'll jump on. You know, uh, you hear all these horrible stories of uh, parents who had, you know, small baby die because of something happened unrelated to vaccines, um, and they, they thought well, if you hadn't had it vaccinated, that would never have happened. And they just, oh my god, yeah. what is that about?
1: That's I think that's it's partly. Partly just mean people being mean, um, but also it's it's kind of a side effect of a good thing, I think, because there has been, uh, particularly in Australia, and I'm very pleased to say a group I've been involved with, Stop the AVN, um, right. has been very active, not only in sort of just countering when, when they see lies or misinformation about vaccines, just countering that and... Yep. And calling it out for what it is, but also communicating with media about false balance. You know what you about. You know trying to say, well, let's look at both sides of the vaccination issue. When 99.9% of health workers support vaccination, so um, leaders of the anti-vaccine movement in Australia, who used to be nine or ten years ago, consulted regularly for their side of the story and featured on TV news stories and and online, um, they're no longer consulted. You know, they have a much, much smaller profile in the media than they used to.
0: So mm, good.
1: So the options they have for getting their message out uh, have been a little bit sidelined. So you see them popping up in really... Um, Conspiracy laden podcasts and hmm. and uh, fringe media and stuff. So I think seeing them pop up in odd places, as you said, is is partly a side effect of um, having the mainstream media just say, "Oh no, nah, not touching them anymore."
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm pondering, thinking on the the whole AVN. Thing and I just I, I cannot get over these people legitimately thinking that and, and this this is what kills me right we've got a whole bunch of new senators that have just entered uh, into our parliament federal parliament and at least two of them have I have have either been openly sympathetic or directly supportive of you know organisations like the anti any anti vaccination network and those sorts of things.
1: What the freaking hell! <laughs> I I do this little dance when I come up against conspiracy theorists and things, and whether we're talking about anti-vax groups or um, senators with interesting ideas, um, <clears throat> I get in there and get angry, and then I take a step back and have a little laugh, and it's it's just a little a cycle. That's my it's it's a little dance I do to stop myself getting angry and having a heart attack. Um, <laughs> And I, with the senators like um, the the One Nation mob and, and all that, I can spend time getting angry and rallying and, you know, posting angry tweets because that achieves so much, um, or I can step back and just say, right, this will be entertaining and having a laugh. Of course, there's a, you know, there's... A lot of what senators do might have an impact on how the country is run so that's that's one thing to consider but like i can't um i can't get angry for too long before i sort of say this isn't worth my quota of words <laughs> do you know what i mean i don't want to waste too much negative mm. on them and because um, it doesn't do my health any good
0: <laughs> yeah
1: you know, it's just, you've got to laugh. I just sort of go, okay, I've I've rallied on against these assholes for long enough. It's time for a break for Puppies and Lollies.
0: <laughs> well, let's have some Puppies and Lollies now, shall hey. we? What reality TV show would you love to star in?
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, um. I think, I've had this idea in the back of my head, you know how you have a little stock of ideas that you go, yes, I'm going to do that one day. Um, I'd like to be, it it would involve a community orchestra. And everyone starting the community orchestra has to be new at learning their instruments and they have Mm -hmm. a set amount of time to put on a concert. So the reality show covers them. I don't know if you meant an existing reality show, but I'm making up. Oh, no, sure we can on. make one up. That's fine. And if anyone wants to pay me for this idea, just contact me. No. Um, yeah, because I just, I love the idea of, I don't know, small community-sized things um, and getting getting personalities together and and, you know, hopefully for the sake of drama in a reality show, failing dismally, That's I just I find <clears> that entertaining. But, yeah, yeah, that's that's it really. I, I don't know why I've, my mum has played in a community orchestra for a long time, and they're quite good actually. Uh, but she comes up with you know she she'll talk about the members of the orchestra and their lives and that sort of thing because they're all they all mm. get on and the personal stories between them you know it's an orchestra is um it's it's like a lot of different things where you get people from all walks of life and the one thing they have in common brings them together but apart from that they're all very very different and it's just it's just the best goss ever <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's
1: great so something something like that where you bring people together because making music together is a fairly um, inescapably group task. Yeah. And I just think with different, different kinds of people, it's not like Big Brother where you put people in the house and go, okay, great. Yeah. And they have to make their own drama. The drama is in trying to get a concert together. I'll make it one day.
0: What's the most exciting or dangerous thing you've ever done?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, I might put my honeymoon as a, a whole thing block in, in there as the most exciting and dangerous thing I've done uh, because my husband is a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. And I'm probably not. <laughs> yes. But I will do, or when I was younger, I would do almost anything if you dared me to. Great. So... My, You're the best friend. My darling husband decided. Uh, we went to New Zealand for our honeymoon, and he called it the wife test. Oh, wow. So the rules were that we could both choose any sort of adrenaline-charged activities, mm-hmm. and the other person had to take part. Oh. Um, strangely, I didn't end up doing bungee jumping. I think I'd passed the wife test by then. Great. But we... We did a lot of whitewater rafting and spelunking, which is one of my favourite words. Mm-hmm. It's basically caving for those who aren't spelunkers. Sounds like what you do. But I want, I want you all to use spelunking in a sentence soon. <laughs> um, and I I just, oh, we got went canyoning as well, which is, that's the first time, that was the first time in years that I actually called for my mummy out loud. <laughs> I was just, we went down, so so canyoning basically, you put on a really unattractive wetsuit and a helmet and yep. you start at a high point and you get go down to the bottom of a canyon and there might be, there's lots of climbing involved, maybe sliding through water chutes, um, mm. lots of abseiling and abseiling down waterfalls with water on your head.
0: Great.
1: And so I'm pleased that I did it. But there were about seven different waterfalls in this very first canyoning trip I did. And oh. by waterfall number seven, I was just hanging from a rope at the top and just thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why am I here? I just <laughs> I burst into tears. And the guy just went, okay, I just want to let you know, you're not, I thought you would have cried before now, so well done. Um <laughs> And what's up, talk me through it. And I said, I'm just really scared now. Like, I don't really want to die today. Mm. And he said, okay, what's the scariest thing you've done before now? And I went, oh, well, I'm crying. I got I got my black belt in karate last year. That was pretty scary. He goes, what the hell are you scared <laughs> of? Off you go. So, yeah, but what abseiling down a waterfall is scarier than karate. There you go. Um, yeah, but that was, the whole honeymoon was good and I loved caving. You know, we, we didn't just yeah. do the wandering through a nice big cave with glowworms thing. We did, it was called adventure caving, which is again, lots of abseiling and squeezing through tight spots and, you know, swimming Ooh. through water and, and, um, I didn't think I'd like it. I just did it because, <laughs> because I was dead too. Uh, mm. but. I just ended up loving it. And we just, any other town we went, we basically drove from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South Island for our honeymoon. Right. And every time we stopped, it's like, have you got any caves here? (laughs) And we did all these (laughs) things. And there was one near, I think it was called Charleston. Sorry, New Zealand people, my sense of geography is stuffed. But there was this cave that had just been discovered, you know, in the last three months or so by one of the guys who was at the company. Yeah. And he said, oh, I'll take you to my cave. And we're like, all right, we'll be up for that. You know, he was part of this touring company and stuff, so it wasn't just some yahoo, but <laughs> he was like, you up for it? You up for it? And we're like, yeah, whatever, pumped, let's go. Woo. <laughs> um, But he was just, because he'd discovered this cave, he was so enthusiastic and he was like, all right, this one down, yeah. woo, let's go, woo. And we were just like, okay. And there was one part where there, we were in a fairly big cavern and there were two possible yep. ways to get through to the next cavern. There was a sort of a squeezy hole up high that you had to climb to and a squeezy hole down low that was sort of half submerged in water. And he went, all right, you guys, you've had a bit of experience. I'm confident. I'm pumped. I'll take the high one. You take <sighs> the low one. <laughs> See you in the next cavern. Bye. And we were like. Okay, but we made it. It was just, <laughs> yeah, that was a long answer to a short question. But, yeah, caving, canyoning, scary.
0: Yeah, tight places like that give, I'm not claustrophobic, but because I am of ample frame, mm-hmm. that's where I start to feel, that's little pings of, no, yeah. oh, I shouldn't be
1: here. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my husband's quite um, stocky, you might. He's uh, six foot four and a half, or one hundred and ninety nice. centimeters, and and um, he's about one hundred and ten kilos. So as long as I was behind him in a crawly space, if he got through, then I knew I would fit through. So yeah. he was like my canary, a very very big canary, <laughs> very big
0: canary. The, the canary. Toad. <laughs> Yeah, fucking tweet. <laughs> um, black belt in karate, oh, yeah. Shelley. Oh, did, did I happen to slip that in? Oops. Just casually.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was eleven years ago. I think I got that. I started karate as an adult because somebody dared me. Um, Great. Well, they basically said it was a friend of mine who did karate. And she said, they're having a bring a friend day and I want to bring a friend and I'll buy you a beer afterwards. And I heard, mu beer. So I went, okay. I just, <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and I just loved it. Yeah. Um, I did Sado Juku Karate, which is in Sydney, mm-hmm. and it was just, it's hard to describe what I loved about it. It was organized. I do like organized things. Mm, there's lots of discipline. Yeah, and lots of short-term goals. You just reach every little goal. Yeah, punch know, that thing. Go. Well yeah, done. Yeah. And also, when I started fighting, i that was my happy place. I know that sounds weird, but, you know, there's... A good it's, spa. It's just a bonus that it's also good exercise. It is so therapeutic, punching bags and pads. <laughs> and... yeah. People under certain conditions, you know, people who are your mates who have given yeah. you permission to hit them, and they have permission to hit you. Um, yes, I just love it. I'm not, not uh, punching so much these days because I've got, I've had some back problems and I've got arthritis in my hands and wow. stuff. But I just that was, I just loved it.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. Mm.
1: But I'm not very scary. My sarcasm's my best weapon these days. Oh,
0: look, it's it's. I oh, oh, granted, it very much is. Um, though I still wouldn't want to challenge you or sneak up behind you in a place that was a little bit dark, because I suspect that uh, even though it was eleven years ago, many years of training would come rushing back.
1: Maybe I've never had to try it in a real situation, which is good, and I hope I yeah. never have to.
0: And I'm not. Well, that's the best form of. It's martial art, isn't it? Yeah. The one that you just do for fun yeah. and you don't ever have to use. Yeah.
1: And I'm not and have never been an angry or aggressive person. I mean, I I get teased about my version of road rage because, you know, if somebody cuts hmm. me up or something, I'll go, oh, you silly man. You know, that's as, that is as ragey <laughs> as I get. Or I'll just, you know, I'll write an angry poem. <laughs> it's not – I'm just not an aggressive or angry person. Nevertheless – Look at you it's being hot.
0: all in touch with your feelings.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm hugging myself right now. I just... For, for someone who is not very angry or aggressive, I really love punching stuff. It's, it's strange. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, hear, I, I have... Um, a lot of people assume that boxing and other combat sports are based on aggression, and there are certainly some really angry wankers who do those kind of sports um, yeah but it's certainly not a prerequisite you know that's the, the big thing i learned about it i suppose is that there is a, a skill to fighting and you, you're not just you know you're not punching up someone you, one you hate that's different yeah it's um it's good exercise
0: <laughs> Shelley stocken is the karate adult <laughs>
1: Was let's go past tense, shall we? All right then. <laughs> Who would be your Mr. Miyagi? My Mr. Miyagi, um, mm. well, it's the probably the head of uh, my old karate club. Um, his his rank now is Say Shihan, which is I'm not even sure how many dan's that is, but he was five dan's when I first met him. Gosh. And he's just the nicest guy, and he's it, mm. it's funny. He's um, he grew up in New York, um, and his heritage is Filipino, so he's quite mm. small. Um, but I honestly didn't notice how small until I've been training for two or three years, and we d- did an annual training session in Centennial Park in Sydney, outdoor training, you know, rain, hail, or shine. Yeah. And we were doing it after a, a, a rainstorm, and it was really muddy. And he he started the class outside, and he, he said, oh, just just be careful where you stand. I don't want anyone sinking up to their knees in the mud. It looks like I've already sunk up to my knees, but I'm just short. And I'd known him for two or three years by then, and it was the first time I'd noticed he was short. Because <laughs> to me, he was, you know, I mean, he's pretty good fighter and very good at teaching karate so he was a a big guy in my head and that was honestly the first time I'd just gone hey you know what he is quite little (laughs) it's just that Mm -hmm. to me he was a a a big a big person at that time in my life yeah hmm. yeah mentally he was a
0: monster for you yeah and you had that sudden realization that in his human form, not so big. Yeah. You could have taken him.
1: Well, no, not really a monster, just big in importance.
0: Yeah. 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 So And I mean it in that yeah, way, right. not in the scary monster context.
1: No, good, good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good bloke. I caught up with that old club a couple of weeks ago, actually, went, went out for dinner. Oh, and then um, Gee, they can put it away. But that's another story. Yeah.
0: Everyone just wore their belts for the fun of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any ink, Shell? No, no. I because I change my mind about stuff a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no one's dared you yet. Uh, well, actually, no. Nobody's dared me to get a, a tap. but it's I'm just not interested. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I really love the art of it. Yes. And um, an old mate of mine is actually a very good artist. Um, so I just, I, I do like, yeah, I like the art of it, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm not against getting them for myself. I just have no urge to. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
0: I hear that. Totally. Mm. I, I'm i a complete wuss. <laughs> um, but also would, would struggle through the indecision of knowing that it's permanent. Mm. I want it to be just, you know, red hot, super good. Um, super meaningful, not just, I like a picture of this, so I got this tattooed on. Yeah. Um, and that's just me. I know lots of people, different ink, different things. Mm, mm. Um, it doesn't surprise me because my, my impression of you was I thought you might have ink, um, but having
1: this chat today, yeah, no, I totally get why well, you don't have any tattoos. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's a type of person – now that has tattoos. Like when I was growing up. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Like, you know, I'm a 1970s baby, and there's certainly um, a, a type of person who got tattoos. Yes. And, you know, according no to my by. darling father, they were not good people. <laughs> mm. um, and, uh, you know, that's wasn't necessarily true then. That's just the impression I had. But then the 90s happened – and every man and his dog got one, and now there's no type.
0: Mm. It's, it's
1: a lottery.
0: You know, everyone has ink, <laughs> don't don't it they? Was... <laughs> broadly, generally speaking. Sorry? I said broadly speaking now, everyone, air quotes, mm. has ink. Mm, mm. Yeah, or is a friend of ink. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's too many TV shows normalising it, Shell.
1: Yeah. Ugh. TV's to blame for everything, man.
0: I know, I love it so much. Yeah. yeah.
1: Should do something. What are you going to?
0: I should, you know, it it would be great to have that opportunity if only I knew what to do. I'll
1: go for it, I dare you.
0: To to what? To get to do something with television? Okay, (laughs) all
1: right, achieved. Yeah, um, Mm -hmm. what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Um, gonna try not to strangle any of my offspring, that's a big one, Mm -hmm. um, who I love. Of course, I, you know, I'm incredibly happy right now, so it's really hard. I'm not feeling terribly ambitious, but I have yep. the, the, the client that I'm working with now um, probably won't last forever, even though re- they're a really good client. So mm-hmm. as always, as a freelancer, one of my goals in the next 12 months is to um, stay employed. Want more client, yep. I would like to – I always want to travel some more. Um, and really, I think I'd like to see some of the natural beauty of the United States. I've got no – I've been to a few cities in the United States, and I'm just not interested in going back, although I haven't been to New York. Yeah. But, you know, I want to see the leaves changing, and I want to see yeah snowy mountains and – Things. Don't you
0: dare say you want to see the bridges of Madison County. That was shit film. No.
1: <laughs> but I think you know, that question threw me a little bit in but in a good way because mm. if my only ambitions are, you know, traveling and not not murdering anyone, then life is pretty good. And yeah, gosh. Um I've I've got I don't know if it's if it's age or what um, and a lot of it is luck, but I'm I'm very much more a stop-and-smell-the-roses kind of kind of critter than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Part of that is probably – look at me off on another tangent. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, a bit of a health scare a few years back. Um, it was a you – know, we thought it was a heart attack, but it's, it was a temporary condition known as Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. I can say oh, that sure. without stumbling oh. now. So basically it's a little – Well done a bit of your heart, your ventricle, um, the the muscle in your ventricle just stops working for a bit and makes a little balloon shape. And it hurts and it's um, temporary, but it does kill people. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, so I was – it it was scary. And, you know, when they ask you the questions when you have heart issues – they, you know, do I smoke? No, I don't drink much. I exercise, all this stuff. I was in such a low risk category. I thought this is totally unfair, but it can happen to anyone, and it's caused a lot by stress or shock. It's called broken heart syndrome, as a nickname, because oh. when people, it often happens to people who have suffered a great emotional episode, so a person dying mm. or um, an assault or something yeah. like that. So since that's happened, and since I got better, which I'm very Pleased about. Um, I'm seriously focused on. I don't know the happies, and sort of saying, okay, forget about what I want or what I don't have. What have I got? It's great. Yeah. Oh, I've gone all violin-y now. <laughs> oh, it's just a roller coaster, Steve.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I look at the human body sometimes, Shelley, and I wonder. You know, in, in the, the whether you're a creationist or an evolutionist or whatever you think about how we came to be, however our bodies came to be in the functional form that they are, mm-hmm. there could have been just a little bit more thought put into things. I mean, we've got a backup kidney. We've got a backup lung. Um, we don't have a backup liver or heart or brain, although guys tend to get away with having a second brain that mm-hmm. isn't as functional. Well,
1: I, on that, I mean... I'm, it will take another few years or billions of evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to live at a time where humans give birth to a tiny little thing at three months and carry it in a pouch. Because yes. I don't think bodies are made for that stuff. That, you know, the size of a head of a baby and all this. It's just not Yeah, gosh. Not good.
0: Oh, the thoughts of ripping and tearing and stapling is horrid down there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a, you know, it's I don't want to do it again, so I won't. No. <laughs> but I've got um, I've got staples. I'm just going to give you my entire medical history now. <laughs> I do have staples in my ribs because I wasn't finished when I was born. You see, I've got Whoa. I had some um, congenital heart defects, mm. and um, oh, to to start with, let, let's go back to. I'll just I'll do some time machine noises. Let's go back to the nineteen seventies.
0: We're going to be doing it. yep.
1: Where there's no um, standard ultrasound testing during pregnancy. Yeah. So my mother was carrying twins without knowing it. She thought she was having one child. Awesome. And I was the younger one. So Joe was born. The doctor said, "Shit, there's another one," and then I was born. Wow. Yeah, but I was blue. So wow. within the, the first four weeks of my sister and my life, she's in one hospital growing a bit more. I'm off in another hospital. I had open heart surgery on my second day of life. Oh, shit. opened up a valve that was shut, stapled my ribs together. Thank you very much. She's gone pink again. Yay, all better. Um, so <laughs> Success. I was recovering for a few weeks in a different hospital to my sister. And then we went home, I don't know, about four weeks later. By that time, I think my mum and dad had come to terms with the fact that they now had three children instead of just one. Um, wow. Yeah, so I was trouble from the from the start. But that's wow. a, You know, another little reason that I sort of go, life's good. I'm happy with life because yeah. I nearly didn't have it.
0: I, open heart surgery at two days old. Yeah. But In 1970-something? 1970,
1: something. 1970 wow. yeah. So speaking of spares, <laughs> you know, if I didn't make it, at least there was a spare, but I'm very glad <laughs> it I did There was
0: a the whole spare other human. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's delightfully
0: uh, morbid and a wonderful way to wrap <laughs> this we... up. Hey, Shelley. Yeah. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things that you said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you so much. And I just, I I hope the whole point of this is to ramble on about random things because I think I nailed it.
0: Oh, you, in the best Waleed Ali kind of way, you absolutely, you brought it home again. No, you're too kind. You're clearly a lady who doesn't mind the occasional tweet, and that's in part why I love you so. Um, (laughs) uh, Can you tell me, are there. Other social media things or other ways, places where you write that you would want people to know about?
1: Well, I, I very occasionally um, write on my blog, which is called There Should Be a Sign. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's mostly these days just um, rhyming verse about whatever's uh, mm-hmm. exciting me or shitting me at the time. Um, I do the occasional little thing for news.com.au. I do the occasional little thing for the Medical Republic and mm. yeah, I just, you know, I do little word farts all over the place. So
0: that's, yeah. Your daily odes to coffee are delightfully inspiring.
1: <laughs> the hardest thing about them is I write them before I had coffee. So I know that it's like two ri- two lines, a rhyming couplet just about coffee and it's, it's done without caffeine. So, so thanks.
0: It's wonderful. Uh, I, I would love to chat with you um, again, Shelley, at, at a later point And just, cause I think we've barely, look, we've barely scratched the surface in your rambling and I've enjoyed it so much. Would that be okay at some later date? We do this again.
1: Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll see if I can try and do something interesting between now and then. But, so. <laughs> no, no, that would ruin everything. Uh, but that, You know, if anyone wants to dare me to do anything, I'll give it some consideration.
0: Oh, so you have to think about your dares.
1: Well, these days I do. I never used to. But I have a family now.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Those guys getting in the way of all the fun. Mm. Mm. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Shellity is indeed human.
1: Mm. How generous. Thank you.